You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Welcome to the NFL Show on the Grueling Truth Sports Network. The NFL Show is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Promo code TGT20. That's where Sam McGinnis shaves his goatee. I am your host, Mike Goodpaster. Right now, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Sam Teets. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing great, Mike. How about you? I'm doing great. Did you cry into your terrible towel last night a little bit? Uh, just a little, just a little bit, Mike. <laughs> I, I, I know you're wearing Washington football team colors today, too, Sam. Am I? Maybe I am. A little bit of yellow in there. But... Yellow and red? Oh, this is brown. It looks yeah. like red on the screen, though. It's because every time St. Bonaventure plays, it looks like red. And we have a special guest today who wanted to tear apart the quarterback power rankings of Sam Teets. Help us welcome to the show, Sam McGinnis. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing pretty good. His weren't all – I've seen his. It's not all that unreasonable. Mine might be actually more unreasonable than his. Yours yeah. definitely are, McGinnis. <laughs> You're both wrong. All right, let's start off with last night as the Washington, I don't care what anybody calls them, Redskins upset the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are no longer undefeated, and the Cleveland Browns are now going to win the AFC North, as I predicted yesterday, if Washington beats Pittsburgh. So when we look at this game, Sam Teets, I don't know that I've ever seen more drop passes in a game. Yeah, I mean, really, also on both sides of the ball, though, right? I mean, Washington had some go that – against him as well, but Eric Ebron at tight end for Pittsburgh. He's been awful the past two weeks. I mean, he dropped, I want to say, three or four last week, and then this week he dropped, like, three last night. I mean, he's been terrible in terms of catching the ball. And he's returning it, to Detroit for him. I, I really, yeah, well, you, you know that's a drip fun. You know he's got hands of steel that's like why, that. But, that's one of the reasons that we let him go is because he couldn't catch, and then he went to yeah. the freaking Colts and balled out there. It was just it was a very sloppy game. It's I thought I, mean, I really thought they had it one at halftime. I thought going to the half, Pittsburgh had it, and the offense just shut down during the second half of the game. Well, the thing that stood out to me, Sam McGinnis, was I picked Washington because number one, I thought Alex Smith would play well. But number two, and the big thing, I thought they'd be able to run the ball with Antonio Gibson. He went out of the game early. Peyton Barber only 14 carries for 23 yards. They beat the Steelers without even being able to run the ball. Yeah, and I, I think it's definitely you got to remember Alex Smith used to be a pretty solid starter for the Chiefs, so the fact that people might rule him out, I think, is kind of uh, ludicrous. Well, he was also a good starter for the 49ers, and when we look at Pittsburgh, my concern, and this is why I say that Cleveland will win the division, Mister Teets, and that's the fact that Pittsburgh can't run the ball, and it's hard to be good at the end of the season when the weather turns cold, it gets bad out, and you got to run the ball. Well, they had multiple fourth down plays that didn't work out for them. One was a fourth down off the goal line. They tried running the ball, and they couldn't get pushed whatsoever. Now, they're missing James Conner, who's their best running back. I don't care what you say about Benny Snell. Benny Snell is not the best running back on that team. Hey, no way. James Conner sucks, too. Nobody on that team's a very good running back. Now, nah, James Conner is solid. He's decent enough. Right. He's had, like, what, four 100-yard games this year. Against what competition? Who did he play against that was good that he ran for any yardage? We pulled his numbers first, but... Pittsburgh, yeah, they have to be able to run the ball better. If they're a one-dimensional, it's not going to work out. Although I think they could have done better if the play calling just had been 
a little bit worse. What we saw, Washington basically out Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. They had a lot of the short passes, but they were just controlling the clock, running the clock out. And then they took a shot downfield every eight or nine throws. And it worked out. They connected on all those throws, those deeper shots last night. And Pittsburgh wasn't doing that in the second half. That's really why they won the game. All right. Now, next up, the question is this. Who wins the NFC East, McGinnis? Oof. Uh, that's tough. Now, the Giants have been on a, on a bit of a, a roll recently, but so have the Redskins. Um. I trust Alex Smith more than I trust Daniel Jones, so I think I'll Daniel have to... Jones is not playing. Colt McCoy is right now. Isn't Daniel Jones going to be back though? We'll see. I mean, if, if he does, he'll turn the ball over enough to to get him destroyed. So, either All way, right. I still trust Alex Smith more than I trust Colt McCoy too. So, all right, um, Sam Teets, same question. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in Alex Smith, and my real concern is Antonio Gibson because if you get Gibson back and he's healthy for the final four games. I would probably go with Washington here, despite the fact that I think New York has a much better secondary. But Washington, they play San Francisco, they play Seattle, they play Carolina, and they play Philadelphia in their final four games of the year. I think they can win two of those. I think they'll go two and two in that situation. They might even get three if they're really lucky. And looking at the Giants, they play Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, and the Cowboys. I really think they're only going to win those games. So I feel like Washington here because they have a weaker schedule. Yeah, I think Washington will beat the Niners. I think they could beat Seattle right now. I think they I think they could win out. I don't think they will, but I think they could. But I think two wins will win them the division. Yeah, no, I agree too. Because I really think New York only has one guaranteed win on their schedule right now, and it's the Dallas Cowboys in the final week of the season. I think they'll probably they could have a chance to beat Arizona because Arizona's lost like three in a row at this point. But I think the Cardinals are also starving for a win. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. This coming week will really decide what the Giants have to do in the final week. Because Washington beats San Francisco and New York loses to Arizona, the Giants are really in a tough situation. Well, and let's face it, your predictions don't really hold any water because you're talking crap about Washington and they just beat the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. Next up, the Buffalo Bills, who ran their record to 9-3 and with a 34-24 win over the San Francisco 49ers. Josh Allen, 32 for 40, 375 yards, four touchdowns. Devin Singletary, 18 carries, 61 yards. If Josh Allen plays like this the rest of the season, which is a big if, Sam McGinnis, are the Bills a Super Bowl contender? I, I would put them under Dark Horse, but yeah, I don't see how you can. Yeah. 9 three. I don't think they would beat the Chiefs. This is the thing, is they would beat a team like the Steelers. They would make it to the AFC Championship, but I don't really see anybody beating the Chiefs throughout. I mean, it certainly could happen, but I do see Chiefs as the number one here. But, yeah, I, I think you got to give it to the Bills at least somewhat as being a Super Bowl contender. Well, as I've said since about six weeks ago, the Buffalo Bills will be in the Super Bowl, Sam Teets. The Bills have good enough receivers right now. My question is the running game. They really don't run the ball that well. Buffalo is not a great running team. And Josh Allen is talented enough to make maybe make up for that. But that's going to come down to if you play a team that's going to force you to, say, run the ball, are you going to be able to do that? I don't think they're going to have to. Based on the defense that they're probably going to play, you might be able to just throw the ball the rest of the year and not have to run that much. But I do think there are chances here the offense will become one-dimensional in the playoffs, and that might hurt them in the long run. Yeah. Well, we'll see. The thing is this. I think defensively they're really good. And if they can stop to run with the Chiefs and turn this into a shootout between the two quarterbacks, I think they do have a chance. Really, honestly, Buffalo's lack of a running game is what hurts them the most. I still think no matter what happened to Tennessee last week, Tennessee might be the biggest threat to Kansas City just because of Derrick Henry. No, I'm going to stay with you on that. I think they are too. 
because like I said, the run game is really the key issue here. I'd be interested to see Cleveland play Kansas City and see how that would work out. That would be a really interesting dynamic in that game. We do have some questions, though, coming in in the chat. All righty. I, I always forget about that. <laughs> ah, here we go. Uh, Eddie says rubbish. I don't know what he's saying or about. But Rizzer says there is a good chance Jones is back next week. He also says Washington isn't good enough to win out. I agree, but they're going to win the division over the New York Giants. Because Rizzer's got the Giants going 8-8, eight and eight, and I think that's an issue. And then David Burnworth, I think this is a big question for the Redskins. If Antonio Gibson is out for any amount of time, can they finish big? They're in the NFC East, so I don't know if the question is can they finish big or can they just win two games? Yeah, I really think it's can you just win two games. You get the seven wins, I think you're good. And Rizzo's take that Giants are going to get eight and eight. I don't know where you're getting eight wins from here. You need to win three more games here. And like I said, Cleveland's probably going to be a loss. I think Baltimore would still be lost despite the fact the Ravens have struggled here. And Arizona, to me, is a toss-up game. At most, I see the Giants get seven wins. So I think seven wins and you're in here. I think they can beat the Ravens. The Ravens have Lamar Jackson. As long as they have Lamar Jackson, you got a chance. Hey, and neither out. one of you can say a word to me about that take because I've I'm seen just... your quarterback power rankings. And I don't see Lamar Jackson in the top 10. Then you guys always bitched and moaned last year when I said he wasn't that good. And going into the playoffs, I told you he's going to lose this game. And by next year, everybody's figured him out and you won't have him ranked in the top 10. And you all mocked me. Well, there actually was a week where you and – uh. Was Anthony at the time were yelling at me for having too low? So frankly, well, this is the thing. Um, my opinion of how good they'll be in the future has nothing to do with my opinion of how good they are at that point. So why were you giving me crap about that at the time? Because now you're acting like oh, oh because oh, at the point he was that he was playing that good. So my opinion doesn't matter if he's doing what needs to be done. I just said that in the future, I didn't think there was a huge future for him. I don't think there's a huge future for him. I'm so. still waiting, like, because he's one of those running quarterbacks, I'm wondering if he'll still get injured in the next year or two and he'll drop off even more than he is now. It doesn't matter because the fact is this. In you guys' top ten, let's, let's look at Sam Teets' top ten. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, Russell Wilson, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Phillip Rivers. Where, as I go down here, where do I find a running quarterback on the list first? The most you get would probably be Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, but even then, they don't really run that much. I mean, it's no. more of a scrambling to throw. Yeah, because you have to be able to throw a ball to be an NFL quarterback. And I don't think that will ever change as long as the NFL football is played. I mean, there's, I mean, every one of these guys, Aaron Rodgers can run if he has to. You know, all these guys can run if they have to, unless Joe Flacco's on the list. I don't think he is, but so when we look at this, I know Sam McGinnis wanted to come on and pick it apart. He's got a top 10 that will be out on Thursday just because it would be stupid to put both lists out on the same day, Sam McGinnis, but number one, Patrick Mahomes, number two, Aaron Rodgers. Do you have any issue with that? No, no. I think that's, that's pretty fair. Number three, Ryan Tannehill, number four, Russell Wilson, number five, Josh Allen. I think my only thing there is I think Ryan Tannehill is a little high, but I can see how you would put him there. It's just a personal difference there. 
So my issue with this whole thing right now is, Teach, did you not see McGinnis say that he thought that your list was completely wrong because it was completely different than his, but now he's just agreeing with you? Yeah, I know. That sometimes happens with McGinnis, but I think he's got to be a little more in charge here, McGinnis. Come on, pick me apart. Hit me here. I, I, I think, I think, I think Ryan Tannehill is too high. I think Ryan Tannehill is too high. Why? Why is Ryan Tannehill too high? Well, first off, you've got Deshaun Watson, who's working with a lot less and is still doing more than Ryan Tannehill, I think. More? Less. All so, right, so let's look back at this past weekend then, McGinnis. Let's look back at this past weekend. Okay. So Ryan Daniel was down 31 points at halftime when the offense decided to let's stop running the ball. Let's actually throw it in the second half. He almost let a comeback against Quinlan Browns. He threw for three touchdowns. He would have had four if A.J. Brown hadn't fumbled the ball near the end zone and got recovered by Lyman, who scored with it. So he would have had four passing touchdowns in a game against the Cleveland Browns. And you look at you look at Deshaun Watson's play against the Indianapolis Colts. He had one interception and a rushing touchdown, no throwing touchdowns at the time. Did he do more with him? He didn't. I'm saying you got to look at the whole season, though. You're looking at one week. I can look at the whole season and still make the argument Ryan Tannehill has done more than Deshaun Watson at this point. Yeah, and I'll make this argument. I agree Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback. I would put him in the top two. But for the way they've played this season, Ryan Tannehill has been better. And the fact is this. If people say it's because he's got the running game around him, as Sam just said, 29 for 45, 389 yards, three touchdowns, almost all those in the second half with Derrick Henry not running the ball. So Ryan Tannehill can throw the ball. Ryan Tannehill is a very good quarterback. I don't have a problem with him at number three. I don't know that I would put him at number three, but he's definitely top five. Yeah, I think Tom five, top five at this point is beyond argument to me. So Ryan Tannehill has been efficient this year. He doesn't turn the ball over very much. He's perfectly carried over his play from last season to this year, even though he's not necessarily the main driver of that offense at most times. Usually it's Derrick Henry. But whenever they need him to, he's able to step up and play well. Well, I do like the fact that you finally gave my boy Josh Allen some credit. I've had Josh Allen up near the top three before. I think I had him at number four at one point early in the year. They had like those three or four weeks where it really wasn't But early in the year, wasn't that just so you didn't have to listen to my crap? A little, a little bit of it. Yeah, a little bit of it. Then he had those four weeks where it wasn't that good. So I was like, all right, now I can move him back down. All right. Number six, Deshaun Watson. Number seven, Tom Brady. Number eight, Derek Carr. Nine, Kirk Cousins. Number 10, Philip Rivers. So I think for me, Derek Carr is a little higher. Derek Carr has been pretty fantastic this year, and he deserves some serious credit for what he's done. I think top 10 is deserving, but I would put him a little higher. How much higher? Uh, I think I have him at seven, yeah. So one spot. Damn. I mean, look. One spot. This Come on. Derek Carr had four turnovers versus Atlanta. I know it's just one bad game, so I'm not going to hold that against him entirely. Right. One point. You needed a miracle play in the final 12 seconds of a game to beat the New York Jets. After a four-turnover game, having to win the, against the Jets that way, you throw that a little bit together. I mean, a lot of that yards he had, I think 50 or 60 of those yards came on the final pass of the game against okay. the Jets. So really, he's down to like 320 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception if you just ignore one terrible call like Greg Williams. So, I mean, it's it's not that impressive after a four-turnover game. That's well, what I have in the top ten, clearly. But it's down at number, what is it, number eight? I don't think so he, he higher. No. He torched the Saints defense. He, he He's torched good defenses this year, and then he torched the Chiefs defense twice. It's not like I, – I guess this is a minutia difference, but I personally think he does deserve one a little one spot higher there. 
All right. I I think the Tom Brady, Derek Carr, think you go either way. But Tom Brady remembers pacing 4,400 yards, 37 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions, and he's 43 years old. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers look like they're going to be a playoff team. They weren't without him last year. I think this could go either way. I think Derek Carr's last or performance against Atlanta two weeks ago was so bad that I think that I would lean towards Sam Teets here. Number nine, Kirk Cousins, Philip Rivers. McGinnis, what do you think? I'm not sure Philip Rivers should be in the top ten. I personally put Ben Roethlisberger in his place, although I have him a little higher. Well, how about this? I personally think you're both morons if you don't have Ben Roethlisberger in the top six. I have him at number eight. Yeah, McGinnis has him pretty close. I think six is a little high, but I have him at number eight. Why is six high? Who do you have him below? Who's your number seven, Derek Carr? My number seven is Derek Carr. Six is Ryan Tannehill. Five is Josh okay. Allen. Well, wait a second. We talked before you defended Deshaun Watson because didn't have anything around him. The mm-hmm. Pittsburgh Steelers don't have a number one receiver like tight end Darren Waller. They don't have a running back like Josh Jacobs, but yet they're eleven and one. He also just lost to. <laughs> he also just lost. And also, oh, wait a second. Wait a second. He lost to who? Hold on. He lost to who? The Redskins. He lost to the Redskins. Derek Carr got beat 43-6 to by the Atlanta Falcons, and he barely beat the New York Jets. He also destroyed the Saints and Chiefs twice. Well, one. Good he- for him. I mean, how long ago was that? How long are we going to live off of that? I mean, Big that Ben. season. <laughs> Big Ben beat Tennessee. I mean, Big Ben's team is 11-1, and and they're 11-1 and because of Big Ben. Without Big Ben, the Pittsburgh Steelers are below 500. Easily. I, think, I mean, look, if I think they, the they might get him to 500, but that's at best. You thought what? I think the coaching might get him to 500, but that's at best. No, it wouldn't. I, I don't think good last night. the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, the thing about Mike Tomlin is he's a great motivator. He's not a great football coach. I mean, number one, fourth and goal at the one. Big Ben is called Big Ben because of why, Sam Because he's a big guy. QB sneak it, right? QB sneak it. It's not that hard. I mean, to me, Mike Tomlin is Marvin Lewis with a backbone. He makes a lot of stupid decisions game management-wise. But I also think Mike Tomlin is a better coach when he has less talent, which is why this team's 11-1. and The Pittsburgh Steelers will lose the division in the Cleveland Browns because they've lost two stud defensive players. Um, I think they're going to lose to the Colts. I think they're going to lose to the Browns in Cleveland. So if Cleveland can hold up their side and win out, I think Cleveland's going to win the division. And I think Pittsburgh's going to get smacked around in the first round, and they're going to be done, and then I'm going to dance. Steelers really, they've gotten beat up at a bad time of the year, and this is probably the worst part of the schedule to be a lot. This is why I wish they kind of lost earlier in the year, right? And instead of right now, because this is probably going to be the toughest stretch of their schedule. And now suddenly you're looking at a situation where you don't have a bunch of guys who have been hurt and banged up, and you're coming off your first loss of the year. How are you going to rebound? I would much rather have learned the full character of his team earlier in the year they have to learn about it right now down this final stretch. Well, I think you already know the full character of this team. That's why they're in the game with Washington. I, I think right now when you look at the two defenses with that defensive front in Washington, the way their DBs played last night, Washington has one of the better defenses in the NFL right now. They do, and I was surprised that, you know, Pittsburgh's defense in the second half got worn down because in the first half, as you can see, Washington was getting tired because how much Pittsburgh had the ball. And they flipped roles in the second half. Washington's offense controlled the game clock. Pittsburgh's defense got tired. And you can see that happening 
throughout the game, Pittsburgh's defense got tired. And then by the end of the game, they didn't have any legs, and Washington was able to control the clock and be able to control their drives for the most part. All right. We have somebody from China wanting to know if we want to buy followers on the chat. So if you want to do that, Sam, let them know. All right. I don't feel like it today. Let's go 11 through 21. And we're going to go Jared Goff at 11. I think Jared Goff has had a better season than Phillip Rivers. Really? I don't know. I'll pull up the numbers right now. I don't think it's that that much of a big difference, really. Well, I don't think Goff had a Terrible. I think Kyler Murray is way too high. I don't know why you're in love with Kyler Murray. We've went through this before. But to have Kyler Murray ahead of Baker Mayfield is insane. And you got him ahead of Ben Roethlisberger, too. <laughs> How could you even be a freaking Steelers fan? I was I mean, waiting for you to catch on to that. There is, ben no has world, not, I mean, there is no he, world where I'd take Kyler Murray over Big Ben or Baker Mayfield. Ben can't throw the ball down the field. He had two like big hits in the first half last night. And after that, nothing beyond 20 yards. Absolutely nothing in the second half beyond 20 yards. Nothing so beyond you, 15 yards. Do you think that's all his fault? No, I don't think so. But at the oh. same time, I mean, you got, oh, we're going to blame listen, him. Ben, ben has control. Ben can change plays if he wants to. He's done it this year already. He can call plays in the huddle if he wants to. They are yeah. not making decisions to move the ball downfield. They have some fast players on that offense who can go downfield. We've seen My it. My question to you is this: How much did Tyler Murray or Kyler Murray throw the ball deep down the field this week? Not a lot either. He threw for 173 yards. Ben threw for 305. Ben's team is 11 and one. Kyler Murray's team probably won't even make the playoffs. Kyler Murray, you have ranked way too high. Am I wrong here, McGinnis? I don't know. I, I think it is uh, fair to say that Big Ben is better than Kyler Murray. I would definitely have him higher. But I, I think top 12, top 14, somewhere in there is fair enough for, for Kyler Murray. He's had some struggling weeks as of recently, but if you take the season as a whole, I think he's been a pretty good quarterback. I don't. I think he's been a bust. He was the first-round pick in the draft. I, I think this. I think he is overhyped. I think Cliff Kingsbury is overhyped. I think the Cardinals as a team are overhyped. And I know I say they're a year away, but they're not because Cliff Kingsbury coaches them. And we've went through this before. I think Cliff Kingsbury is soft, which means he'll never win anything, Sam Teets. You're used to that. I mean, you get to watch Zach Taylor every week, so you know what that looks like by now. Exactly. A first number one overall pick quarterback who can't win games on a bad team. So – We'll see. Well, you know, I don't know what that has to do with this. Because oh, that's what you, said, Murray, right? you said number one overall pick who has been a bust, who hasn't made a little yeah, game. He has been. This is his second year or third year? Second year. Okay, it's his second year. It's his full year. He's got the talent with DeAndre Hopkins and them. I, I just, I think he's a good quarterback. I, when I watch him, he is nowhere near as good as Joe Burrow. Because I think yeah. if Big Ben all of a sudden left Pittsburgh – and we said, here, you can have Kyler Murray or you can have Joe Burrow. I don't think you would even hesitate on who you would take. No, I would take Joe Burrow. I, I meant that I would. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot. And Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. Okay, so. Joe Burrow had possibly the greatest college football season ever. So. All right, so McGinnis, you just saw how to win an argument with Teats. Now I expect you to do it at some point. So, <laughs> what about Big Ben or Baker at number fourteen? Matthew Stafford at fifteen. Sam T. McGinnis. I am surprised Matthew Stafford is that high, but I'm not upset with it because obviously I'm a Lions fan. I don't have a problem with the other one either. But I, I don't know. I would. 
Matthew Stafford, Stafford had a good game. Stafford had a pretty good game against he, the he Chicago defense that supposedly is supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, I, I I just for the whole year he's been a little off. Um, but yeah, he did have a really good game. I can see how you put him there, but I might drop it off a couple two, three spots. All right, sixteen Teddy Bridgewater, seventeen Lamar Jackson, eighteen Alex Smith. I think Alex Smith's too low. Alex Smith should be ahead of Lamar Jackson and Teddy Bridgewater. I think I had him ahead of both those guys last week, and the comment was that he's too, too. Uh, okay, too it, was, it was too high because he hadn't done anything yet. He smacked your Pittsburgh Steelers in Heinz Field. He did. He he out Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. He did. The offense that ran was really good. Like I said, he the offense was pretty spot on and being able to move the ball consistently. And they weren't missing on those short throws, which is what Pittsburgh had happened most of the second half. I liked what they did last night. And I'll say this again: if Alex Smith can do this every single game, I don't see a way Washington loses the division. I do if they don't have a running game. That's fair. But, the, but well, you know, well, New York have a running game. So New York, I know they ran the ball really well against Seattle, but that's not ordinary for New York. They haven't done that very much this year. They ran the ball well against Cincinnati, too. Goldman has played really well the last couple weeks. That's true. Goldman's starting to get really hot, which I like to see. He's a Clemson grad, so I'm glad he's getting some reps. Well, and the other thing is this. The offensive line for the Giants is much improved with Joe Judge as the head coach because Judge, Judge Joe Judge – Unlike little girls like Zach Taylor is a grown-ass man who coaches football. Number 18, Alex Smith. 19, Tua Tagovailoa. Number 20, Taysom Hill. What do you think, Sam? McGinnis? I still don't think Taysom Hill is a legitimate QB, but he's working for the time they've got right now. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not saying he's. I'm not saying this guy is a future quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he is. I wouldn't want him on my team for a start for 16 games. But he did play. I mean, it's only Atlanta, which is why he's at 20. But he did perform pretty well against Atlanta. Well, we're going to find out soon. They play Kansas City. And then the problem is this. Kansas City's defense is not great, but I think their secondary is pretty good. Pass rush is all right. But the thing you'll get there is you're probably going to get Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes is going to score points. So Taysom Hill is going to be forced to do something in that game to maybe bring his team back or to try to keep up. And then will he force stuff? Because I think what happens when they play Kansas City is I think the Chiefs will beat them. And I think they'll beat him because Taysom Hill will throw three interceptions. No, I can't disagree with you there. I mean, you got Tyron Matthew lurking back in there in the secondary. He is one of the best safeties, one of the best defensive backs in football right now. And Taysom Hill, when he's playing from behind, because he's played with the lead every single game he's played so far. When he's playing from behind, I want to know how he's going to perform. I think he will crack. I think there will be turnovers. I don't even think it's going to be playing from behind. I just I want to see a pressure situation. Playing Atlanta, it's pressure because it's an NFL game and not the same thing. 21, Matt Ryan, 22, Justin Herbert, 23, Andy Dalton, Sam Teets. Yeah, I got phone golf in the background. Sorry Nobody about that. I got Matt- phone. Come on, McGinnis. McGinnis is the only one here that would have a regular phone. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll get the phone in a second. But Oh, it's you. Yeah, it's me. No, it's not McGinnis. I want to apologize to McGinnis. Then. Is that one of those phones that hangs on the wall and you get the rotary dialer? No, it's not, but... I wish I just, I want to get rid of it. It's a landline phone that it doesn't even work half the time anymore. But he said I got Dalton at twenty. Hey, I got I got to hang this up. Hang on, I'll be right. Okay. <laughs> so what do you think, Teach or McGinnis? Ryan twenty one, Herbert twenty two, Dalton twenty three. I don't know. I still like Herbert a little bit more than that. Dalton has played mostly like trash, so that one doesn't surprise me that he's that low. But but overall, that's that's not bad. But I would put Herbert a little higher. Um, why? 
I mean, he was 26 for 53, 209, two interceptions. His team doesn't win. They're usually not even in the games anymore. And it seems yeah. like they're getting worse. Yeah, I don't know why. Herbert, Herbert to me, is in a good spot right now in my ranking because he had the two interceptions. It's a New England team that's been beat up. They're not nearly as dominant defensively as they were last year. I don't know why Herbert should be higher than 22 right now because he's been declining. And I think 22 is a reasonable spot from this point. Yeah, I think what Justin Herbert's doing right now is what I've always expected of Justin Herbert when he got in the NFL. Yeah, this, that's been the train you've been on pretty much since the start of, well, since we really started talking about the NFL draft, you thought Herbert was going to end up this way. We'll see. We'll see if they can turn around. I think he probably can. I don't think he can because I'm, I'm very rarely wrong. You very rarely are on this show, but it feels like Herbert, to your credit, it feels like Herbert's setting new lows or new career worse every single week. Yeah, and I think it will continue. And then it's going to, two years from now, the Chargers will be looking to draft a quarterback. Sam McGinnis, 23, Andy Dalton, 24, Cam Newton, 25, Nick Mullins. No argument there. All those people are absolute garbage right now. Really? I mean, you know what? You probably shouldn't call people absolute garbage. It's not very nice. Andy Dalton did a lot for the Cincinnati community. And Nick Mullins and Cam Newton have parents. They don't want to hear their son called absolute garbage. None of those people are listening to this, so I don't really... How do you know who's listening to this? Because <laughs> right now, I could tell you this. Randy Cross, who's got three Super Bowl rings, I know is listening. Because he said it was mean for you to do that. All right, all right. <laughs> I think I think they could be doing better, especially for what they've done in the past. Cam Newton and Andy Dalton, both especially. But I think uh, this, the Patriots definitely had a very good week this last week. Well, I can tell you this. The Patriots are 6-6, six and six, and they have a talent of a team that will be drafting Trevor Lawrence. So I think the fact that they are winning, I mean, doesn't part of this have to do with the fact that Cam Newton's not really turning the ball over the way he has in the past, Sam Teese? Well, I think they're putting him in a good situation. Now, they have a good feel for his capabilities are. And now they're running the ball up more, like I said, the yardage-wise. He hasn't been throwing for a ton of yards, but they figured out offensively how to run the ball, how to get the ball in Cam's hands and let him run with it, not have to be so reliant on the pass. And what they're doing is putting him in situations to succeed. This is just purely good coaching. I mean, Newton, he's been limited as a passer this year. We all see that. He had turnovers the past couple of weeks. We're not even necessarily the past couple of weeks, but early in the season. And what they've done is they've adjusted the offense so that he doesn't have to deal with that. Unlike what they've done in Philadelphia with someone like Carson Wentz, where they keep putting him in bad situations, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels know how to work with Cam Newton right now, and they're proving every week. All right, 25, Nick Mullins. I think it's too low. I actually, this may sound crazy, I don't think there's a big difference between Nick Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Teets. I really don't either, which is why you hear so many people talking about potentially San Francisco moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason because that's a big contract. Why would you pay him that much money? He's got Nick Mullins, who's a former undrafted free agent, who you could pay $2 million a year maybe or even less to be your starting quarterback. Why would you pay Jimmy Garoppolo $20 million or something like that when you could just stick with Nick Mullins? There really isn't a big gap here. And we saw last year, it was really the defense that carried San Francisco through everything. McGinnis, agree or disagree? Yeah, I think that's fair. I, Jimmy Garoppolo has been weird. I, I, like, you got more of him uh, when they were going to their Super Bowl run, but it kind of felt somewhat like he was getting carried, and then especially during the Super Bowl. And after that, it's just kind of been a mess. I don't know if it was carrying so much as it was bad coaching at the time, but I feel like if Garoppolo had stayed in New England with Bill Belichick, he would be much better off than he is right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's Bill Belichick. Yeah. 
Yeah. Cam, says, <laughs> yeah. Cam Newton, as we heard, is absolute garbage, but is six and six with the New England Patriots. 26, Mitchell Trubisky, which should put him in the bottom three no matter what. Just the fact that he's a grown-ass man and he wants to call himself Mitchell. 27, Colt McCoy. He won a game. 28, Sam Darnold. He's a Jet. Nothing he can do about it. 29, Drew Locke. A deal reason I picked on you earlier, McGinnis, because we got to the part where I get bored. 30, Jalen Hurts. 31, Carson Wentz. 32, Mike Glennon. And typical Bengals. Their quarterback ranks 33, and there's only 32 starters in the NFL. <laughs> Any comments on these bottom seven cellar dwellers? Other than to call them absolute garbage, Sam T. McGinnis. <laughs> Do you know if they'll have Brian Finley come in now? Brian Finley will play, I think, because Brandon Allen got the dog snot knocked out of him because <laughs> nobody can block on the Bengals' offensive line. Yeah, that certainly doesn't help. I, I can only imagine like a pocket passer like Drew Brees, what would happen if he was behind that O-line. Um, Drew Brees? He would be better, but it would still hurt. No, Drew Brees wouldn't get run over. Drew Brees knows how to move in the pocket. Joe Burrow knew how to move in the pocket. The problem is... Your offensive line is terrible, and with the Bengals, the left guard threw the defensive tackle or rode him into the feet and the legs and the knees of Joe Burrow, which is what caused that. So it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, you get 650 pounds of linemen fall on your back legs. Of course, you're going to end up with serious injuries. Yeah. Yeah, the Bengals need to, to draft some linemen in this coming draft or trade for him one of the See, two. I, I don't know if that's the problem. I think the Bengals need a coaching staff. I think that all these guys – were their best players at their college teams. They all can play. But for some reason, put it like this, the New York Giants, when they get Joe Judge and his coaching staff with an offensive line coach, all of a sudden, their offensive line got better because they were coached better. You watch the Bengals, a lot of this is lack of effort. I mean, you watch Brandon Allen when he got sacked and knocked out of the game. It was scary, the lack of effort that they showed on that play. I mean, the right guard, which, of course, is the right tackle, the immortal Bobby Hart, basically just fanned on the play and let the guy run by him. So, I mean, is it that or is it just the fact that the coaching sucks? And now Bobby Hart's going to suck either way. I was about but, to say, it's probably a combination of the two. But Jonah Williams, I mean, is a guy at Alabama, Nick Saban called the best player on the roster – he said all these great things about him. And they, Nick Saban's a pretty good football coach, you know. But, I mean, when you look at it, it's like Andy Dalton. As David Burnworth says, Dalton has been bad, but he has a second-team line and his top back does nothing but fumble. What should Dalton do differently besides leave Dallas? The problem is this. He's still making like 3 or $4 million, so I don't feel too bad for him, David. But... I mean, when you look at it, the Bengals screwed this up with Dalton because they should have traded him over a year ago when he had some trade value. I mean, before the draft where they picked Joe Burrow, I was told that the Chicago Bears offered a second-round pick for him, and the Bengals turned it down because they wanted a first-round pick. You know, the Bengals had A.J. Green. They franchise-tagged him and gave him $18 million a year. I'm sorry, but... That trade for a second-round pick could have got you alignment. Not signing A.J. Green and Bobby Hart to, I think it was $40 million. You could have got a Brandon Shreve, who's now the guard for the Washington Redskins. You know, you could have drafted a couple guys. You could have signed a couple linemen for what you were, are paying for A.J. Green. 
So this in the end is all on the Cincinnati Bengals. And that's why Joe Burrow is screwed and Andy Dalton screwed because Jerry Jones is exactly like Mike Brown, which means this guy thinks he knows enough about football that he can do it himself. You cannot run a football team by yourself. You can't be the owner and the GM. Just like very few guys have been successful being the head coach in the GM. Ask Bill O'Brien. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, ask Bill yeah. O'Brien. You can't do both. You need to have people under you to tell you, hey, you're doing this wrong. And sometimes when the people tell you you're doing it wrong and you ignore them, guess what? It blows up in your face. I mean, we talk about Philadelphia. Howie Rose, when the general manager pushed for Jalen Rigger, the receiver that took in the first round, and Jalen Hurts, the quarterback that took in the second round, overtaking guys like Justin Jefferson. And look how that's worked out. So sometimes you have to have a level of accountability where you're willing to listen to people below you. But again, if you have no one below you that you're willing to listen to, you're going to fall apart as a franchise because your organization doesn't work that way. Yeah, and the Bengals organization has never worked. <laughs> Ever. No. Starts with right. bad ownership. It starts and ends there. And when you look at it, who are the worst-owned teams in the NFL? The Bengals, the Colts, or not the Colts, the Bengals. Lions. The Bears, the Lions. I would put the Bears up there. The Bears were a team that hasn't had a legit big-time franchise quarterback since Sid Luckman in the 1940s. I mean, yeah, I mean who's the closest they've gotten since then? Was it like Jake Cutler? No, Jim McMahon. But oh, he yeah, kept getting hurt. Yeah, and McMahon was just a guy. I mean, he was a guy that had the it factor. He made plays when it mattered, but he was always hurt. You know, they drafted Doug Flutie in the first round. Yeah, I think Chicago drafted him in the first round, threw him to the Wolves instead of letting him get his feet wet because the NFL was a lot different in the mid-'80s than it is now. But the New York Jets are horribly run. The Jacksonville Jaguars are horribly run. And I don't think it's any coincidence that every five or six years, one of those teams will get in the playoffs, maybe win a game, and then get beat, and then immediately they go back to their cesspool of garbage as Sam McGinnis would call it. I think I think a great example of that was just a few years back when the Jaguars went 10-6 and six and then got ousted by the Patriots late in the round and then have been nothing since. Yeah, because that's what they do. I mean, that is the sign of bad football teams. It's the fact that anybody could come up and have one great year. You know, I remember the Florida Marlins, now Miami Marlins, they had those two years where they went all in and won World Series. And then the next year, they would trash the entire team, and they'd go back to sucking for a decade. And then they'd decide they wanted to win a World Series, so they'd sign everybody for a year. they win the World Series, then they go back to sucking. It's poorly run teams. And the fact is this. The only way you can have a well-run organization is if you have enough scouts. And the Bengals have eight. The Browns, Steelers, and Ravens all have between 32 and 45. There's a big difference there. And that's why you see the divide in the draft. I mean, the Bengals' draft picks are almost always from big schools. That's because that's what Mike Brown watches on TV. Yeah, it's a nationally televised games that you can get. Now, every scout's going to that. Every, every school is sending scouts to that program, and every school is watching that game tape over and over again. The yeah, but the, that, the difference get... is this. During a season, a lot of the times, it's Mike Brown and his daughter Katie Blackburn just watching the game. You cannot watch a game on film and know the speed of the game. Um, McGinnis, high school football, watch film of a team, and you think, oh, they're terrible. And then you go out and play them, 
And it's like, they're a hell of a lot different. I mean, they're running the well, same plays we saw, but this is running a lot quicker than what we expected it to be. Well, yeah, like I, I can tell you from looking at it on film, it's a lot different than being there. It feels a lot faster when you're actually playing. And and so like for me, it's, it's very different when you're looking at it on film versus when you're actually doing it. So it's always a, I guess you have to, as a player, at least adjust to that expectation because that caught me a few times. Yeah, but see, the problem is this. As an NFL scout, if you're just watching the film, you don't really see the speed of the game. I mean, if you're in the stadium and you're sitting in the fifth row and you're watching a defensive end, you can actually see how fast he's moving. Now, you know, On film, you can see what his hands look like, what his feet look like, but you don't get the feel of how quick the game is. And I think that's what a lot of people miss. And a lot of people, when they watch film, I, I know guys that think they know a lot about football and they buy the NFL package with the all-22 film and they're trying to explain stuff and everything. It's one thing to watch film. It's another thing to know how to watch film. And you've got to realize some things that you see on film do not matter. Other things matter a whole lot. And it's to be able to separate those two differences. And let's face it, with the Cincinnati Bengals, they can't even successfully hire a head coach who is capable of coaching a team what makes you think those eight scouts that they have have any clue how to watch or break down a film or do anything? Because chances are those eight guys are five foot five, fat as hell, and spend most of their time playing PlayStation. And I hate to say that, but I've had quarterbacks participate in the college days that were seniors. When I coached arena football, I went and watched quarterbacks work out. And most of the NFL scouts there were 5'5", weighed 300 pounds, and were too busy eating donuts to really pay attention to anything else. And you look at back at the draft picks for Cincinnati, and you see John Ross taking 2017. That was purely based on his 40 time. Yeah, but you know what? This is the thing about John Ross. I really believe if John Ross was used properly, he may have been all right. The Bengals, you remember Peter Warwick? Yeah. All right. Peter Warwick was a similar player to John Ross. And Peter Warwick, when he got to Cincinnati, was used completely bad. Just not the way you should have been using him. Marvin Lewis was hired in 2003. He finally had Peter Warwick working the way he was supposed to. 2003, that was the game where Warwick returned like two punts for a touchdown, caught a pass for a touchdown when they upset Kansas City when they were like 11-0 when the Bengals beat them. Peter Warwick had a great year. Looked like a stud because he was used correctly. So I don't know the John Ross situation. I mean, John Ross, let's face it, as a punt returner at water, as a punt returner at Washington, as a Husky, he was one of the best in the country that year. He's one of the reasons they played Alabama in the college football playoffs. And the Cincinnati Bengals have never put him back to return a punt either. So the last two years, they haven't used him at all, but they've kept him on the roster. They pay him. Where if you'd have put him as a punt returner, number one, you might have got value out of him. And number two, maybe you would have had somebody else get interested in him and you actually could have traded him and not walked away with absolutely nothing after this season. And just like they did with Dalton, and just like it's going to happen with Green, they're going to walk away from this guy and get absolutely nothing for it. Well, I've seen guys like Cordell Patterson was never a top wide receiver. They dropped him in the Minnesota dropped him in the first round. He never turned into a top wide receiver. But he's arguably the best return man in the NFL right now. And now yeah. he's evolved to a point where in Chicago where he's a little bit of a gadget player and do a little bit of everything. If you just put time and effort into a developing a player, you can have stuff like that happen. Cincinnati has basically said, 
Jerome Ross, here's a nice little shelf. We're going to put you on it for the next year and a half. Well, the, the, the story I do know about John Ross that was the killer here is Marvin Lewis didn't want to draft him. Mike Brown did. Marvin Lewis was pissed that he drafted him. They never played John Ross in like the second or third game of the season. They threw him a little screen pass. He got hit. He fumbled. They didn't put him back in for five games. So Marvin Lewis already had it. This ain't my guy. I don't want him here, so I'm not going to play him. And I also don't think it's any coincidence that at the end of that year is where Marvin Lewis finally got fired. And again, I think we're seeing the same thing in Philadelphia right now. It's Doug Pearson. That there was differences on who was they were supposed to draft this year. Doug Pearson really didn't want to draft a quarterback. He didn't really want Jalen Rieger. They want guys wanted Justin Jefferson, and they didn't get that because Howard Roseman, general manager, wanted Jalen Rieger. They want Jalen Hurts. And when you have those differences start to pull apart like that, that's when teams crumble. Hey, the thing is this: with Justin Jefferson, Carson Wentz might be in your top ten right now. Exactly. I mean, Justin Jefferson is arguably a top ten, if not a top five receiver right now. Yeah, because I think this, he's the best quarterback that came out and or best wide receiver that came out of this draft. And there was a lot of good wide receivers there. But all right, guys, we got to wrap it up. I got stuff to do. All right, sounds but good, Mike. Also, I want to remind everybody we'll be back at 1 o'clock tomorrow with the NFL Power Rankings. And Sam, you want to tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter? Tease. McGinnis, I already know Tease. Sam Teach, you can follow at SamTeach33. You can follow me at Grilling Truth. You can follow Sam McGinnis at Samuel McG7. All right. So if you want to get any hockey news, go follow Samuel McG. He's the one yeah, person left that watches it. Yeah, it's, it's true. We're getting now news that it might start on January 15th instead of January 1st. It's uh, it's kind of annoying me, but, uh, it, but yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So we are going to wrap it up. Make sure you check us out on Roku also and manscaped.com promo code TGT20 so you don't nick your nuts. All right, guys, we're going to wrap it up. That's the show for today. For Sam McGinnis, Sam Teets, I'm Mike Goodpaster. You've been listening to The Grueling Truth, where the legends speak. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.